right. Good morning, everybody. So good to see you this morning. Um, it's good. I snuck in last week, but I've been on leave for a bit. And uh, it's hugely grateful to Adam and Colin for just kicking off the year preaching. Both great messages, if you've missed them, to, to start the year, including Jesus. What a great way to kick off the year. So thank you both gentlemen for doing that and the team, just Laura for keeping the worship going. And it's a great team uh, that we have here. Before I get started, a, a couple of things. I'm pretty excited. Ro and I have really mapped out the year around the Bible. Wow. It's exciting. Who would have thought in a church that we'd talk about the Bible? But here we go. We, we are attempting to map out the entire Bible in a year to help you get a really good understanding of the New Testament and the Old Testament and, and to really walk that journey. Now, obviously, we can't read every verse, but we're going to pick things from the entire Scriptures so that by the end of this year, you will have a really good grounding in the Bible. And every start of the year, you go, oh, how do I read the Bible? What do I do? So look, here's a couple of resources. Uh, I've got some books here. Uh, this looks thick. It is thick. Now, John, you might know John back there, he said, I, I hardly read anything, but he's halfway through this book already, I think recommended by Damien, is that right? Yeah, fabulous. So look, this looks big and ugly, but I tell you, sometimes just getting a book that helps you understand the Bible is good. That's a really good one. So I'm going to stick that at the back. You can, it's so easy to buy books these days. You just go onto Amazon or Kurong and this is like $25. That's half a haircut. I don't know if you can have half a haircut. But, you know, like it's five coffees or something. Like, and there's a resource. And this one is a beauty. New Testament, dive in, NT right. It's like $30. That's like half and a bit of a haircut. You know, like it's not expensive um, to have a book or two like that. It just help you understand. So we're going to stick these at the back at the end and just have a peruse. Um, we're also doing Bible college kicking off. Uh, start of February, starting with New Testament, and then second half of the year, Old Testament. Uh, and then we've got three people signed up to do that formally, but you can also audit the course. You can just come along. You can join up for the, the lectures. So, you know, get, let's get into the Bible this year. Uh, you'll obviously hear more about that as we go. But hey, let me pray before I just uh, preach this message on Jesus. <laughs> Lord God, I'm praying this morning that you'd open our ears to hear what you're saying to us, Lord, that you speak your truth through your word. And, and I just thank you for the care and the life that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, who's ready for the world of work this year? Or school, kids? Who's, who's ready to face that thing? And you're probably already facing it, I know. But it's like in, in uh, January in Australia, nothing much happens before Australia Day, does it? Like you might be at work, but it's usually just a little bit quieter. Depends on your job. Um, but apparently this time of year is the, is the season for those nightmares. Those work nightmares. At three o'clock in the morning where, where you know, you're, you're the mechanic and you wake up in a sweat because you can't open your tool drawer. You know, things going wrong. It's, it's like the, the teacher wakes up in a panic because the, the rules haven't got clothes on in front of the classroom. Or, or there's, there's, there's kind of fearful things. The pilot wakes up realizing they can't, they can't, you know, use the levers or whatever. 
And, and you've got these weird dreams, apparently, about the fear of work, that maybe I don't have what it takes. The fear of school. Oh, and then I'm going to meet that person. And who's my teacher going to be? And, and this person was such a bully and mean to me. And you've got to face that again, kids, in about a week and a bit. So how, how are you feeling about the world of work? And what does God have to say about work anyway? Isn't, isn't work just a necessary evil? Isn't it something we just do just because we have to feed ourselves and rent a house or pay off some mortgage or something? Is, or is there more to work? You know, we spend a third of our life at work, apparently, some 90,000 hours. Now, whether that's paid work or the real work that happens at home, often carried about by mums, dads kind of pretend often. So apparently 90,000 hours is given to your work. And how does Jesus intersect with your work life? Is it like, do you just work to Jesus? I'm off to work, so just <laughs> stay at home and I'll come back and we'll talk tomorrow. Or is work something more meaningful than that? Is there some power in that? Let's go deep this morning. I'm going to do a quick survey of work in the Bible. Hang on, here we go. And then I want to come back and talk about some really interesting things that we might see. Ready? Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, what does it say? God created. Wow. Verse 1, God is doing what? Working. He's working. Very first verse of the entire scriptures, we see God at work. We see that God is a worker. Creating is hard work. Any creators out there? Anything, anybody who does things, who makes something out of nothing? Now, we don't have to get anything out of nothing. God made something out of nothing, right? We're just recreating. God created originally. So we see the God of the Bible as a creative God right from the very beginning, a working God. Eugene Peterson said that Jesus, God wasn't just sitting around in some majestic heavens, he created, he did something, he made something, he fashioned heaven and earth. The week of creation was a week of work. From the very beginning of the scriptures, we are faced with the God that he is himself a worker. Okay, so hold that thought. God is a worker. And then God said, verse 26, let us make man and in our image. So making is working, right? And let them have dominion over the fish, the birds, the livestock. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created them. So God is creating not just the planets in heaven, but us. And here's the really special thing. He said in verse 28, he blessed them and says to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. We're doing a pretty good job at that, aren't we? We're filling the earth with people. But then he says, subdue it and have dominion over it. The fish and the sea, that's work. Now, subduing and having dominion is not destroying the environment, by the way. <laughs> it's not just dominating everything. Look how great we are. That was Tower of Babel in Genesis. This means caretake, rule, 
have authority over it, but, but be the caretaker of the world. He gave that responsibility to us to look after the world, to, to rule it, to maintain it, and to create something. This is so exciting. This is not just about us kind of tending a garden. It's actually co-creating with God. Now, if you think of all the Roman deities and, and the, the scriptures and talk about the different gods, what God would create something and then place mankind in charge of it? Have you ever made something really special and then given it to someone to look after with fear and trepidation? It's what God has done. It's this beautiful thing and he, he gives it to humanity. He says, now work, work at it. You see, he didn't create it to be productive just on its own. The world needs human agency. It needs our intervention. Otherwise, things decay. You have to constantly paint your house. Right? <laughs> things decay. You have to constantly fix things. If you're a gardener, you have to constantly pull out weeds, constantly prune things, right? Now, our world needs continual maintenance. Guess whose job it is to do that? You and me, human beings. And that, friends, is the world of work. It's what we're designed to do. Not only that, Genesis 2 is kind of the retelling of the, of the narrative, you know, of the creation narrative. And it said in verse 9, the Lord made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food, gardens and beauty, food. And then in the middle of the tree, tree of life, good and evil, and there's a river in verse 10 flowing out from Eden, four headquarters. But what I want you to see here in verse 12 mentions that there's gold in the river. <laughs> Look at that. Verse 12, the gold of that land is good. Aromatic, resin, and onyx are also there. Do you see what God has done? In the, in the very beginning, he's actually put... Minerals, gold and silver and lithium and uranium and all kinds of things. Oil, coal. He's put it. How amazing is that? And then he's given humans the gift of recreating all that he's put in the world into something beautiful or something productive. So we have the Iron Age and the Stone Age and people learn to craft things and metals. We have this, And now we have this incredible world where we've just... Cities created out of what God has placed there. You see? God has given this world all these kind of hidden gems. And people, since the beginning, have been mining and uncovering that and then recreating those things into something of beauty or something that can help us do other things. Machinery, tools, the industrial age. I mean, I could go on. But can you see what God has done in planet Earth? He created but he created something that was just wild and mysterious and he put people in the middle of it to tend it and recreate things and form civilizations so that at the end that we're turning this place into something of worth and value and beauty. It doesn't mean destroy the world. It doesn't mean you know, wreck everything. It, it means caretaker. What a, beautiful, what a beautiful mandate God has given people. So that's the Old Testament view. What about Jesus? I wonder what his view on work was. Let's have a look at Mark 6. Isn't this the carpenter? 
they said of Jesus. What, he's a preacher? No. I'm sure, I'm sure I saw him making a table last year. I'm sure, uh, he was in that workshop, wasn't he? Isn't he Joseph, Mary's son, and brothers here, James, Joseph, Judas, Simon, and only sisters, and they took offence at him. He's not, he hasn't got a PhD. He hasn't got the right qualifications. He's a carpenter. Now, when, when you think about that, for 15 years, probably, Jesus was a carpenter, an artisan, a tecton, a, a, someone who created things and crafted things. 15 years. Maybe from the time of his apprenticeship, 15, maybe. He was probably fiddling around with wood and stuff if his father was a carpenter. you know. And then he was just doing ministry, important things, for three years. What a waste. Jesus, why didn't you just start your ministry career early? Why, why waste all these years fiddling around with wood in some obscure village in the middle of nowhere? You ever thought about that? Do you know what I see there? I see Jesus endorsing work. Jesus the tradie. Jesus the craftsman. Jesus the one who is very, very content and gives meaning to what we would say, ordinary civilian work. Jesus could have been anything. I love the thought that, that what would Jesus be if he was here on planet Earth today? Well, he would be exactly what you are. Accountants and, and plumbers and electricians and fire people. People who do stuff with their hands and people who think with their minds. and Teachers and nurses. Jesus could have walked into any profession and done it really well. Isn't that encouraging? Your work has meaning. You might not be in Jesus' kind of ministry team. But what's more important is the way that you include him in your work because your work has value because your work goes way back to Genesis because you've been given this responsibility to care for our planet. Starting to see that work has way more significance than just earning some money. Any work, all work. What about Paul? I wonder what his view, the major writer of the Old Testament. Well, in Acts 20, verse 34, he says to his friends in the Ephesian church, he says, you yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. He says, I, I haven't asked for money. I don't, I don't live off your wages. In fact, these, these hands of mine have supplied everything, not only for myself, but also for my companions. And he goes on, he says, and everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, that it's more blessed to give than receive. He said, these, these hands of mine, he was a tent maker by trade. He created tents for people to live in and to work around in. So he would preach the gospel during the day and stay up late at night making tents. He'd, he'd live off his own income, his own business. He says, this is hard work. But we must do it, to, not only for our own needs, but to help the weak, so that there's an overflow of need into the community, into our people's lives. So Paul, absolutely committed, not just to what we would call ministry, you know, preaching and writing letters, and, but actual manual physical work. He endorses normal life work. This is good news for us. 
Colossians 3, he writes, just an example of his view and work. He's talking to slaves in that context, in that era. Obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Not only when their eye is on you and to carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence. He's saying, we would say today, employees, obey your boss. Not only when they're looking at you, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. And then he goes on this beautiful verse 23. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it's the Lord Jesus that you're serving. Whatever you do, kids, school, studying, options, university, TAFE, working life, whatever you do, it's not about what you do, it's about how you do it and who you do it for. He says, work hard, work with all your heart. If you're an architect, you're slaving away over drawings. If you're a teacher, you're preparing lessons well. If you're a gardener, you're doing it with great beauty and love and passion. If you're an accountant, you're doing it really well, systematically, with great integrity. You see, whatever you do, if you're retired, you enjoy that space and life and looking after things and people. Whatever you do, work out with all your heart. That's Paul's theology of work. How exciting. Permission to work hard. <laughs> what about the future, though? Like, what about heaven? People say, oh, I'm going to work hard and then I'll die. What's, I mean, what, what's work? Will we work in heaven? Well, here's a few thoughts for you. See, Jesus is going to come to make all things new. Revelation 22 talks about this new kingdom. It says, no longer will there be anything accursed. You see, work, work was cursed in the beginning. Genesis 3, the fall of man. Work was one of those things that got hard, right? They had to toil hard uh, along with childbearing. Like things just got hard. But it didn't mean that work was evil. Work was before the fall. You got this? So work itself was in the beginning. God was working. Adam and Eve were working in the garden. But then when people rebelled against God, God work just got harder. But guess what? In the new kingdom, there will no longer be any curse. That's been removed. So work then has actual significance and meaning. I don't actually think we'll be floating on clouds playing harps. I think we'll be working. But let's go on. Working with Jesus right there. The throne of God and of Lamb will be in it and his servants and worship him. They will see his face and his name and night will be no more. There will no need light of the sun. The Lord will be their light and they will reign forever. Reign. There's the same word. It's kingdom. It's ruling work. It's the same job that was given to Adam and Eve in the garden. Reign caretake, look after this world, is the same thing we'll be doing in paradise in eternity. See, we're still at work doing the original call that we were supposed to do, reigning, before sin came into the world and just kind of destroyed things. 
So we have this beautiful future, but can you imagine work without any curse on it? Imagine painting your house. I'm in the middle of painting my house. Imagine what it's going to look like and how easy it's going to be without the sun fade all over the place. Imagine writing music. Just be able to create these most amazing songs without things breaking. Imagine being an accountant and and your computer doesn't crash. Imagine there not being any computers. (laughs) Imagine your work in a perfect... Imagine being an architect and designing the most incredible buildings without any fear. I mean, this is going to be fun. Now, let me me back this up. I'm not just making this up. In Isaiah 65, another picture of the new kingdom. They shall build houses. Build. Work. They will build houses and inhabit them. They will plant vineyards just for table grapes. Sorry. There might be the odd glass of wine. They shall plant vineyards. That's work, right? Planting is work. And eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. This is the cursed bit. They shall not plant and another eat. For the days of the tree shall be like the days of my people. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or build children for calamity. For they shall be blessed. I get so excited about this. So your, your work now, right, is a foretaste of what the kingdom will be like in the future. You're actually recreating and making all things new, just like when God says, pray that your kingdom come. We're praying that the kind of work that we're doing in the kingdom is what we do now in whatever, whatever vocation you have. You and I are in the business of making all things new, whether you're at school, at work, or retired. So let's bring the kingdom of God through our work. John Stott, a great theologian and thinker, he's passed away now. He wrote this incredible summary of work. Listen to this. He says, work is the expenditure of energy, manual or mental or both, in the service of others, which brings fulfillment to the worker Benefit to the community and glory to God. I'm going to read that again. This is an incredible statement of work. It's the expenditure of energy, so it's hard, and it's mental or physical or both, right? In the service of others. Work is for others, which brings fulfillment to the worker, benefit to the community, and glory to God. What a great approach to work. So I'm going to just unpack that in these this, uh, next five minutes. There's, there's four key things here. If I can just summarize that, kind of run through the Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, right, around work. If I can just bring all that together under four key things, this is what I would say. Include Jesus by expending energy, by working. This is, this is not permission just to sign off and check out. Work is good. Work isn't part of the fall. Work is there in the beginning. Work is good. 2024 is going to be a good year of work. Physical or mental, but you've got to know that work is hard. Everybody's experienced that. Anyone experience work that's not hard? You go to work, ah, that was a doddle. I'd like to talk to you. I'd like your job. 
There's a cost, right? There's a cost, but it's good. So don't shy away from hard work. Work is good. So work hard and then rest. Exodus 29. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Six days. But the seventh is Sabbath rest. Stop. So make sure work hard is good. But do you have a planned day off? Front of the year. We talk about this a lot. Have a day off. No one should be working seven days a week. Have a day off. Plan it. In fact, make that the best day. The best day of your week is the day with family and some friends and some food and some just relax. Like deliberately choose to not work. Whatever your work is, stop it. Don't do it. Turn it off. Turn your phone off. In fact, just toss it away. Turn off the bings and the rings and the dings and just have a day off. So, so work hard. It's going to be difficult sometimes. Mental, physical, or both. School is everything. Second half. Second. Include Jesus by working in your vocation. Now, vocation is a really beautiful word. It's, it's to do with your call in life. All right? It's not necessarily what you do now to make money. But it could be and probably should be. So vocation, here's a definition of vocation. The place where your deep gladness meets the world's deep need. All right? Vocation, your deep gladness meets the world's needs. In other words, the thing that you really love doing, the thing you're passionate about, try and work that as your work. The thing that you are wired for, the thing that you just love doing, that will be the best kind of work to do. Because you wake up and you go, yes, it's still going to be hard. There's still going to be things that go wrong. But, but you know, there's something inside it because you're wired that way. I could not be an accountant. I, I do not have the, the love of numbers and the love of adding things up. In fact, I'd rather not know. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm married to someone who does love these things. Now, many people need to work outside of their vocation with me. So many people around the world don't have a choice. <laughs> they have to work in the factory. They have to work hand to mouth in the field. Uh, it, it's kind of a privilege to talk about this uh, in, in our kind of world. And there are many people who, whose vocation doesn't pay. <laughs> Musicians, anyone? Artists? You know, like try and make money out of some of these things that are deeply passionate to you then. Sometimes you need a day job, I think we call it. You know, don't quit your day job yet, they say. While you work at your passion and your vocation, sometimes you're going to need to work to earn money. It makes sense. But if you can do your vocation as your work, wow, that's a blessing. Try and find the work for which you were wired. Wake up energized. And that's an antidote to burnout. Sometimes we think burnout is, is when you've worked too hard. I don't know. I reckon burnout is when you work too hard in the wrong area. Or you work too hard and you get discouraged and down because you're not, it's not your fit. So one antidote to burnout is um, rest, Sabbath rest, but also finding your vocation in life. All right, so that's include Jesus by expending energy and working hard and resting. Number two, include Jesus in your vocation. Try and find that call. Number three, 
Include Jesus to serve others and benefit the community. Include Jesus to serve others and benefit the community. Work is supposed to be for the blessing of other people. It's not supposed to be for your own glory. Ever met those people who you talk to them and they're just talking about how great their work is? I've just built this and I've just done that and I've just sold this for some crazy amount of money and I'm, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. I don't know. What God did when he created, God's, God's world was created for us. Isn't that beautiful? The, the stunning beauty and majesty of our world is a gift that he gave to us. Mountains, trees, like beauty, skies, sunset. Like he didn't have to do all that. But, but his handicraft gave it to us. His, his work is for the benefit of other people. So should our work. The things that we invest in, we should look around and think, somebody's blessed because of what I did. Society is benefited because I worked really hard at that and, and built this thing or served that. Or you know, Hospitals, nursing, I worked so hard, obviously, because the needs of people. And teaching is hard work. But look at these kids. Look how much they've learned and grown. So all work, try and find that, that space there. Rearrange the raw materials. Tim Keller says this. Rearrange the raw materials of a particular domain to draw out its potential for the flourishing of everybody. We are God's co-worker. And lastly, include Jesus so your work is to the glory of God. The glory of God. Your work should have the glory of God sitting underneath there. Now, J.S. Bach, I love this story. One of the most prolific uh, musicians, 1685 to 1750, right? So lived a while ago. He wrote 1,128, sorry, 1,128 pieces of published music. Over 1,000 pieces. You probably know them. You know, the well-tempered clavier, the bad-tempered clavier. No, just kidding. Um, well-tempered <laughs> Toccata and Fugue, Brandenburg and Schurters, you know, like these incredible pieces of music that you would probably recognize even if you're not musical. But a passionate and devoted believer of Christ. And, and he'd write on the bottom of all these scores, SDG, Solo de Gloria, to the glory of God. End of every piece of music he'd write, to the glory of God. Not, not for me, not for my input, but this piece of music and it's all its beauty and creativity, to the glory of God. What about your nine to five? What about your work life? What about the end of the day when you come home? Can, can, you, can you sign that SDG to the glory of God? Can you, can you put that signature on the bottom? Even if it was hard, even if it went pear-shaped, even if things didn't quite work out, even if you're wondering what you're doing in this job, can you at least write, I've done this to the glory of God, to the benefit of others, and, and somehow in that I'm working in the new creation to make all things new and rebuild What's been lost? How exciting. What an opportunity we have this year to serve Jesus in our ordinary work life, nine to five. And finally, I'd like to just pray with us together as we, as we launch out into this year. Whether you've been back at work, whether you've never had a break at all, it's like 
let's just focus on 2024. Can I get the musicians to come up? I want to just take a moment where you can just honestly before the Lord commit your work year to Him. All the energy you're about to expend, all the things you're about to set up, all the things that are going on in your life. Can we just stand for a moment? Something happens when we stand and pray as we commit our year of work to the Lord. I want you just to close your eyes. I want you to think about your main vocation, what you're doing this year, whether you're at school, university, TAFE, studying somewhere else, whether you're working in a, in a job, full-time, part-time, casual, you're working at home with kids, tending. What an amazing privilege and job that is and all of its hardship. Whether you're retired and you're finding meaning in the, in the community and in, and in in a place of meaning, of serving in some way. You're maintaining properties and looking after things and people. What, it says whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Picture the work life. Maybe you're fearful of the year. Maybe you think someone's going to find out that I'm not that good at it this year. Maybe they're going to discover I'm a fraud, you know. Maybe, I don't know, it's going to work. I don't know. I'm not even sure if I have a job at the end of the year. Whatever fears, whatever anxieties you have about work, just put them to one side and commit your life, your work life, to the glory of God and to the service of others. Lord Jesus, right now. We commit our work to the glory of God. We want to include you in our work life, Lord. We want to include you in the way and the place of our work. We want you to be glorified in every part of our work, manual labor, mental thinking, organizing. We want to recreate some sense of what was lost we want to look forward to the time when we will work and all things will be new. We recognize it's going to be difficult, but Lord, we pray that you'll come and, and bless us in our work life. Favor us in our work life. Favor the work of our hands. And through our work, may you have the glory. And you know, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, Now's a good time at the start of a year to connect with Him. And it's a simple prayer away. It goes like this, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be the ruler of my life. I surrender to You and ask You to live in me for the glory of God. That's the kind of prayer that I would love to pray with You. If that's you this morning and you find like you want to come and, and be here and, and commit to Jesus for the year, maybe things have gone sideways. Maybe you want to come back to Christ. But this morning you find yourself, I, I need to be, just, just raise your hand and I'm going to pray with you. 
anyone here that just, you just find at the start of this year, I'm going to find Christ. I'm going to get it right. Discover Him. Just slip your hand up and I'd love to pray with you at the end of the service. Lord Jesus, we bless you. We thank you for the privilege of being your people.